In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me today. Holly, how are you? Hey, Pamela. So good to see you. I'm excited to be here and honored to be here. It is such an honor to have you. Seriously, I'm so pumped about our conversation today to hear your story and your awesomeness. You just radiate and it's wonderful. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. You're so awesome. So I always start off with the most loaded question known to man when it comes to these, <laughs> these podcast interviews. What led you on your journey to where you are today? Drugs and perfectionism. Yep. Drugs and perfectionism. That sounds like something that a lot of us can relate to. <laughs> <laughs> or at least, you know, you've seen a movie about it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So walk me through that, through that journey a little bit. Yeah. Well, I couldn't stop using cocaine because if I did, Pamela, I would lose my job. Now I know if you stop for a second and go, wait, it's supposed to be the other way. You need to stop. So you can keep your job. No, if I stopped, I would lose my job. And what I mean by that is I was modeling and acting Mm -hmm. in my early 20s. And I loved what I was doing. By day, I was in fashion shows, TV commercials. I was even emceeing some shows. And then at night, I was teaching at a local acting and modeling school in my hometown. And I was working with, you know, kids from the ages of four, all the way up to 74, 84 years old, even people that wanted to do it as a hobby. And I felt really good about myself. I was doing what I loved, making good money and helping people. And isn't that like the secret to life until one day when all of that completely changed and my boss called all of us runway instructors into the room and announced that he was taking the company global. He wanted his company to be the number one company in the world. And in order to do that, we had to look like celebrity models and actors. And Pamela, I don't look like a celebrity model. Celebrity models are 5'10", 5'11", I'm 5'8". And they have a very specific physicality. They're long and lean and willowy. And I'm just more curvy and athletic, I guess you could say. And in my early 20s, I had great self-confidence, but my boss pulled out a measuring tape and he asked for all of us runway coaches to step on the runway. And he began to measure us, our bust, our waist, and our hips. And I can just feel, if you're listening right now, you're probably cringing because in these days, that is a huge no-no, but this is back in the nineties. And he called up the first runway instructor, measured her and said, perfect. And I knew he would because her physicality was perfect. Then he called up the second runway instructor and he measured her and he said, perfect. And she stepped down and then he called me and I got up on that runway, exhaled all my air, tried to squeeze every ounce of my curvy self inward to make myself smaller. And he measured my bust and my waist, which was fine. But when he got to my hips, 
They were not one, not two, not three, but four inches too big. And to you and me right now, that seems like nothing. But in the industry, it actually meant I was fat, even though I was a size four. And he looked at my hips, pointed, looked at everybody else, and said, if any of you have this problem, fix it or you're fired. I was the bad apple of the bunch. And in that moment, my self-confidence just plummeted. I felt ugly. I felt humiliated. I felt embarrassed. And not just in front of my coworkers, but these were my coworkers. These were my friends. I was the bad apple of the bunch. Everyone else is perfect but me. And in that moment, I do what a lot of people do when you're in a lot of pain. You decide, I will never feel this level of pain again. Mm-hmm. And so I went on a search. I'm going to do any diet, exercise program, anything I can get my hands on to help me lose the inches. And I did. I tried pills and powders and shakes, everything guaranteed to help you lose weight or your money back, but nothing worked. Pamela, like I was me and I was actually the best version of me at that time, but I didn't know it. And have you ever like done something that you knew wasn't good for you, but you did it anyway because you wanted love? Well, after a few weeks, a friend held up a little bag of white powder and she said, try this. Well, I've tried everything else. Why not? And I did it. And it was cocaine. And within just a few weeks, it worked. I was walking down the hallway in my new sleek physique, getting compliments from coworkers, accolades from my boss. Pamela, I got a raise. I got a promotion. I was positively rewarded for doing this, what I was doing in private. And on the outside, it looked like I had everything together. But on the inside, it was a whole different story. I had headaches, heart palpitations, sleepless nights. I was not very nice to be around. (laughs) That stuff makes you kind of cranky. And worst of all, I was a fraud. I knew that if I stopped, I would gain the inches back. And I was afraid of what would happen. I was afraid of that pain. And that's what started my 10-year relationship on and off using different kinds of drugs to really just manage my weight until I was in my early 30s and things got really dangerous. I met someone, I got married, we got pregnant, I had a beautiful baby, and I was able to quit drugs while I was pregnant because it's okay to gain weight while you're pregnant, right? Right. So I was able to quit. But by the time she was about three years old, that old friend of me came back in my life of cocaine because we had problems in the marriage and I was using it to medicate and to get back to that pre baby weight until things got really, really dangerous. I remember one day I walked in to my house with my husband at the time and our little blonde hair, blue eyed ball of joy greeted us at the doorway. And she said, mommy, daddy, where were you? You know, come play with me. And my husband was exhausted and he said, I'm going to bed. So he went to bed and I had been using for several days and I was exhausted, ready to just sleep it off. But half out of love and half out of guilt, I was like, okay, I'll play with you. So we sat down and we played tea party. She had the pink cup and I had the blue one. And she had this beautiful little mesh pink tutu that had petals all over it. And then I actually got really got thirsty. So I went to the kitchen to get some water, came back and she wasn't in the living room. I was like, okay. 
So I go to her bedroom. I open the door. She's not there. Okay. I go to her bathroom. I open the door. She's not there. And I look down the hallway and the bedroom door is open just a few inches. And you know that feeling that you get like intuitively when you know something's not right. right. And I walk in to my bedroom, to my left, my husband is asleep. And on the floor is our beautiful three-year-old holding my drugs in her hands. I was terrified that she had ingested it. I rushed to her, checked her mouth, nothing there, thank God, I'd gotten there just in time, grabbed the drugs, threw them away, grabbed her, picked her up and held her. And then something really interesting happened. I got what I call a divine download. I heard a voice. It wasn't my voice. It was a voice. And this voice said, what if you didn't get there in time? What if you had to call the police? What if you had to call, they had to call CPS because you're using. What if she was taken away from you? What if she went into foster care? And then the worst question of all, what if she ended up never knowing you, but she was just like you? And I sat back and it just shook me to the core. It was like in a snap, I saw the possible future that if I didn't change things now, this wasn't just hurting me. This was hurting my family and my daughter, possibly not just in this moment, but for life. So I made a decision. I said, I'm going to quit three things. I'm going to quit drugs, my marriage, and my job. Because once I quit drugs and I gain weight, I don't feel credible anymore. So I had no idea how I was going to do it. You know, like so many times in life, like you really don't know, but you know it's the right step. And in the modeling and acting industry, that had taught me to fake it until you make it. But in this moment, I needed to faith it until you can make it. If you know what I'm talking about, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I can't not do this. Right. right. And I was, I was so embarrassed, you know, I really, I qualified to get help like Narcotics Anonymous or something, but I didn't want anyone to know. And when we need help, we need like a mindset shift. We need mentorship. We need somebody to show us the way. So I was like, okay, well, what can I do? Because the cravings were hellacious, Pamela. It was like 10 years of getting rid of this habit, the toxins in my body. And I was doing it cold turkey. Like cold turkey, I just stopped, which by the way, I don't recommend. (laughs) If you or someone you love is going through this, help them get help. Don't do it by yourself. But for me, this was my journey. But I knew I needed help. So I needed to get healthy. I was very physically still unhealthy. So I hired a trainer and I hired Tom, the trainer. He was tall, 6'2", Italian, good looking. His muscles had muscles. Like, you know, it was like, okay, I'm not going to miss one workout. I was highly motivated if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But it was really the first time that like somebody reflected something completely different to me. And he gave me like kudos, not for being skinny, but for being strong. Mm. And not for, you know, skipping meals, but for eating the right meals. And so through his support and, you know, doing what I loved, which is still, I, I always loved exercise. You know, you wouldn't know that I actually had a passion for health and fitness, but I did. So I started to take care of myself. And in that moment, everything changed. I needed a job. And he said, well, you're pretty good at this. Why don't you think about being a trainer? 
So I was like, okay. And within four months of knowing each other, Tom and I opened up our own personal training studio. And it was called Beyond Fitness Personal Training in um, Northern San Diego. And we were an instant hit. Like we were packed, we were booked. And it was like, okay, finally, you know, I can just have my body the way it was meant to be and just be healthy. But I had a new problem. My new problem was that I was still hiding because here I am supposed to be a model of health and fitness. And just six months ago, I was doing drugs. Like, what if my clients found out? You know, so it's interesting because life will give us this like problem, solution. Oh, new problem, solution. Oh, new problem. It's like life just kind of gives us these challenges, right? Which are actually gifts if you know how to see them that way. But I was terrified that my clients would know that I was using drugs. But a little bit of my story seeped out to one of my clients and she made this powerful connection. And she said, I get it. Like you weren't addicted to food. You were addicted to drugs, but addiction's addiction, which is why you have so much compassion for people like me. And I had never thought that you see, when we share our story from the heart and we share our authenticity, our audience, our friend, or whoever's listening will make their own connections, things we couldn't possibly dream of. And all we have to do is show up and be authentic and share from the heart. And obviously I was not in it anymore. I had already cleared all that out of you know my life. And so I was really communicating from the place of victory. And she took my story to her church and she shared it with everybody and something incredible happened. It doubled our business. All the people came because, yeah, because Pamela facts tell, but stories sell. Like if you're in business or you have your own story, that story shares that no like and trust factor. And our, our mind is already pre-wired to share stories because human beings have been doing it for over 150,000 years. Like that's how we passed on history. That's how we passed on lessons, you know, back in the caveman days. So she brought all of this new business to us. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I had no idea how healing it would be, how freeing it would be. And honestly, if somebody would have told me like, oh yeah, you're going to tell your story and it's going to bring you business. I said, you're, you're smoking crack. (laughs) You're you're off your rocker. (laughs) But that's what happened. And then I started to feel this inner shift, like, okay, I think I'm going to go back to speaking and on stage, but I'm not going to be an actor. I'm not going to be a model. I'm going to be myself. And I want to share my story and help women embrace the beauty of their body at any size. So I started studying storytelling with the best in the business. I had already studied and been through Tony Robbins coaching programs and been the coach through his programs. So I started studying storytelling with Bo Eason and Roger Love and Brenda Burchard and Shalene Johnson and all these fantastic people who speak globally. And that's when I started to feel the shift like, oh, Okay, I'm, I feel a pivot to move away from fitness and actually to help people tell their story on stage. It made so much sense when you look at like the timeline of my life and the things that I was learning along the way. It was just a perfect culmination of experience, street cred, <laughs> you know, and then just having that passion for women on stage and knowing what it feels like to be embarrassed or 
you know, you don't want to get on stage or tell your story because you want, you don't want to be humiliated or you don't want to be judged. Like I get it, but I also get what a gem it is. It's a hidden gem that you have that can build connection like nobody's business, especially if you're doing business online. Absolutely. My gosh. Thank you so much for sharing your story. That's unreal. I could feel all of it. Like you said, individuals make their own connections to certain stories. Yeah. I definitely felt that. I definitely felt that as you were talking about it. I mean, it's just, it's crazy because we all respond differently to rejection, right? It's such a fear ingrained in our minds. And then we have that trauma. And then it's like, how do we deal with this trauma? How do we, you know, like, yeah. you know, and trying to find different ways to sort of cope with it. And sometimes we don't have the best options. We don't make the correct decisions. Right. And this is why addictions happen because they fill the void temporarily. Right. <laughs> it never works full term. Right. Absolutely. works. And, you know, thank you again so much for sharing that. And so in that moment, after you decided to make that change, what do you think was like the hardest thing to battle there? Like what would be a tip there? Say if somebody's here right now, right? Somebody's facing this at this very moment. And it's weird because it was last week that I got a call from this um, attorney and he was saying, he's like, you know, I've been struggling with addiction for a long time. And he's like, actually lawyers, like we struggle a lot with things like cocaine and nobody talks about it, you know, especially through law school and even just through work and all these things. And like, nobody talks about it. And I'm like, well, first off, you need to free yourself from that and know that it's okay. And you're not alone. You know, that's first and foremost. So I love that you're talking about it and that this is an authentic thing that people go through, not just in the modeling industry, but across many finance, law. I mean, this is nurses, doctors. I mean, my clients that come to me to help have me help them craft their story. You know, the things that they share with me are very personal and private. And then I show them how you can craft a story that actually showcases the lesson, right? And so you're sharing from the place of victory, not from the place of victimhood. So you stand on your story, not in your story, right? And so usually it's like, if you, if you want to call the problem addiction, there were actually a few villains in my story. (laughs) Another one was perfectionism. Another one was doing anything to be loved. You know, I wanted that acceptance from others, even though it cost me my health. When you're sharing a story from the place of crafting a story to share with others, my first tip is don't make any person the villain. So the villain in my story is not my boss. Actually, I'm very appreciative. I'm very appreciative for what he taught me. He taught me so many amazing things. And that was just one thing that he taught me. But the real villain is my own battle the need inside me to be accepted, to be perfect and to not have a standard for myself. Like I'm not willing to do this to get your love. Mm. So that speaks volumes, not just when it comes to addiction, but in relationships, you know, setting those boundaries in, in work environment, in personal relationships, all over the, all over the board, we have to have high standards for ourselves, for our own self-care. And really be clear with others. And I also want to just say one thing about the modeling and acting industry, because I don't want to speak bad about it. It taught me so many amazing things. And, you know, that now I'm carrying into my business with helping entrepreneurial women share their story on stage. For some women, it's actually the reverse. They're extremely thin 
and they don't feel good enough because they're not curvy enough. So, you know, my story is about perfectionism. It's about addiction. It's about embracing your physicality, no matter what shape or size it is, as long as you're being the healthiest version of you, right? you know, but also secrets, you know, addiction and secrets go hand in hand. And if you're someone that's listening, or, you know, someone who's using, you know, the drug or the alcohol is not actually the problem, right? You know, they're medicating from something else that's happening. So I would say, you know, no, you're not alone. Like you said, number one, and reach out and get help. And the first thing you'll be feeling perhaps is shame and that that's normal. Shame stopped me from telling my story. Shame made me cry, like shaking the first time I told my story in front of others. And I was afraid to be, you know, judged. I was afraid that I would be seen as a horrible mom. But that actually is good that I have shame. That means I care, but we don't want to keep it, right? Like feel it and let go of it. Yes. Release it. Yes. Yes. And what I found over and over with the experts that I work with is in the beginning, when they tell their story, you know, they're afraid, they're trembling, they may be tearful, Um, but after they share it a couple of times. And you're in a safe environment, which is what I provide with my coaching programs. Then you get reflected back to you, your strength, your vulnerability, the brilliance of your vulnerability, your willingness to take a risk, my willingness to leave drugs, you know, a marriage and my job all at one time. Like I look back and go, wow, just doing one of those things by themselves is extremely difficult. And I can't believe I did all three at a time when I was even detoxing. Like the human spirit is so strong, you know, and the the last thing I would say is find your why, find your why. Like my daughter was my why and she knows it, you know, now she's, she's going to be almost 19 and she hears me tell this story, you know, on shows and she hears me tell it from stage. And actually um, the first time she heard me tell it from stage, I had her come with me when I was speaking and just take some pictures from the back of the room. It was a small group. It was like under a hundred. And after I told the story and I started answering some questions, you know, my daughter came over to me and she was kind of standing on the side and I looked at her and she had tears in her eyes and she looked at me and I looked at her and I was like, are you okay? And she was like, I just want to hug you. And so she ran up to me and right there in that moment, it was like the most incredible healing moment for myself for my daughter, for our lineage, for our legacy. And I believe that, you know, and that wasn't scripted. I wasn't like, okay, at the right time, you know, cry a little and come on over. (laughs) It wasn't scripted, of course. But I think in that moment, it was also really powerful for the audience to see something in real time of the healing process that can continues to happen. And she's such an important part of my journey. And, you know, she was three. And she's, she's my why she's my motivation. That's incredible. That's incredible. Holly. Thank you so much for sharing all of that and how to basically turn your vulnerability into strength, which is the hardest thing, the hardest thing to do. So I do know a few people who've gone through addictions and actually still struggling with it. And it's very hard from the outside looking in to help them. Like, for example, like you were saying the medicating part. It's like, how do you help somebody? I know that they have to do it themselves, right? But how do you help them 
to release those emotions so that they can stop utilizing that thing? What, what would be your best piece of advice in, in terms of that? Because I think that that's a huge struggle, you know, yeah. and, and that has to get released, but how, how do you help them release, you know, or how do you, it's such a big question in my book, personally, from people that I know, you know, in my own family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, let me say I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. So I'm not going to give medical advice, but I can give you a a suggestion from my heart. Right. Because I've been on the other side. Right. And what you can do is number one, love them when they're being their best self, love them even more when they're down and they're not, and they're making the wrong choices. Provide that safe space of love unconditionally and have consistency, continue to speak into them that they can do more, be more, have more, and that this isn't who they really are. And to mirror to them their greatness, mirror to them all that they could be. And you may start to create a little crack in that outer wall, that outer shell, those old beliefs, Mm. right? Because one of the most driving forces in our human behavior is to stay consistent with who we think we are. So if you can mirror to them, you know, how you remember them when they were a kid, bright, shiny, joyful, determined, curious, passionate, playful, you know, all of these qualities that maybe they haven't been in touch with for a while. And if you can mirror to them who they are and what are their dreams and get them back in touch, with all that they want to create. And then of course, professional help. There's, there's really no substitute for professional help where they can really get support um, in that way, whether it's working, you know, with a facility or if you go different route, like through hypnosis, I mean, there's all different routes that you can, that you can take, but love them, create space for them and be consistent and mirror to them their greatness. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Sometimes you just, you know, when you see somebody struggling, you just want to be like, I got you. Like you almost wish you could take away their pain and you, you know, you can't, right. Because it's got to be their choice. They've got to be ready and they've got to be able to do it. Cause it, I mean, you could say it over and over and over until they're ready. Nobody can make that change for them, you know, but there is hope, which is incredible, which is incredible. And that's why I love your story so much. And I, what I love even more is that you were vulnerable. You were okay to be vulnerable. And I know it was probably extremely terrifying at first. It was. But yeah. Now it's easy peasy. Now I tell the story and I know that I'm going to share something and that someone's going to hear it. Someone's going to listen. Someone's going to feel like, oh my gosh, I can see myself in some of the things you went through. Maybe not exactly, but some parts of it is going to resonate with someone and it's going to give them that hope, that inspiration to take that action, to stop hiding or whatever that thing is, whether, you know, it's quit drugs or whether it's let go of perfectionism or whether it's stand up for yourself. You know, I easily could have told him, you know, that's not right. This is my body. I'm healthy and I'm perfect just the way I am. But that wasn't my road because I think I was actually always meant to be a performance stage and speaking coach. And that experience gave me an incredible, not just a story to tell, but a deep level of compassion, a deep level of compassion for others who, who are struggling with their own story. That's incredible. I mean, I love how it happened on accident, kind of where one of your clients, like she made that connection. You did it right. Yeah. (laughs) 
you know, she were like, you were like, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I can picture you like, ah. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is too, is when I started to feel that higher calling to learn more about storytelling and be a speaking coach and, you know, pull together my history, there was so much resistance. I was so resistant. Oh my gosh. Imposter syndrome. I was like the queen, you know, of imposter syndrome. I was like, oh no, no, I can't tell my story. Oh no, no. I can't help others tell their story. Like I left stage. I'm not going back there again. And then it just kept, I kept feeling it. I kept feeling the calling. Oh yes, you will see that person on stage. You can help them. And I would have these thoughts like, gosh, if they would just not do that with their body, you know, if they would just be more open with their body or when they make their offer on stage, if they would not put their hands up, which is a communication to say, stop, if they would actually go like this, which, you know, you're, which is saying, come with me, be with me and, you know, heart centered and all of these little body language things, I would start seeing it. And then that I'd have that inner fight going on. Like, no, I'm not good enough. Yes, you are. No, I'm not good enough. Yes, you are. <laughs> it's like, and then eventually it got to the place where like, okay, I just have to explore this. Let me just see what happens if I dip my toe in a little bit, you know? And so if, if anyone's listening to this or you're listening to this thinking, yeah, there's these other things I want to do in life. There's the other things I want to be. And I'm kind of conflicted, you know, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I bold enough? And I just think life is a playground. Life is a playground where we're meant to take on the adventure, right? Because as adults, I think we get so used to being right and so used to knowing, like, this is what I'm going to do and this is how it's going to result. Like, we have that level of certainty. Right. And then we stop taking chances. We stop taking risks. Right. So true. And that's where, like, the adventure and the excitement and feeling alive is. That's so incredible. I mean, I just adore your transformation so much because it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. And it takes great strength, like you said, to do all three. I can't imagine. What were some of your tips to get through that? I'm hearing you speak and I'm just like in awe, like how the hell did she do that? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. (laughs) I can't even begin to explain. Well, the first step was decide, Mm. right? The first step in any transformation. Decide, right? D means of the side is kill, right? So I'm going to cut off, I'm going to kill any other option. Mm. And second, have a why. It wouldn't have happened without my why. My why was saving my daughter's future so that she didn't have to grow up with a mom who used. Mm -hmm. And so she could grow up with a mom who is healthy and happy and in a good relationship and loved her job. Like I was role modeling the complete opposite on all levels. And so she was my why. So first decide, no matter what decision you're working with, decide that that's what you're gonna do and cut off any other option. Second, find your why, because that's your motivation. Even in fitness, I'll have clients, right? Like when I was, when we had a brick and mortar business, it was all about what's your why. And I would have clients that would come to me Um, when all of a sudden they gained weight, like they had that physical change that women go through, right? And all of a sudden they gained 10, 20 pounds. They don't know how to get it off. So what's your why? Well, my why is all of a sudden I gained weight and I want to get it off. I had one client and she was, gosh, we worked out together for probably about five or six years, right? So consistent only once a year, she'd go to Hawaii. And when she would go to Hawaii, she would drop an additional 10 pounds. And then she'd come back and she'd gain that 10 pounds back. 
Why? Because that's her why. Mm. So her why was, I want to be in a swimsuit. I want to feel great, even better on the beach, right? So what's your why? So decide, find your why, because that's your motivation to move towards pleasure and away from pain. And then consistent, just be consistent with your actions. And then the fourth thing is set up an environment where the people won't let you back down, right? So I had to quit working in the modeling and acting industry because I knew that environment I would be too tempted to use again, way too tempted. And it was all around me. It would be easy access. So I had to leave that environment. And then really leaving the job was about creating a different environment. That's why actually I, I left that and went over to health and fitness because I need to get healthy. I'm not healthy physically, mentally, emotionally. And I knew if I got my body healthy, it would help my mind and I could detox faster, all of that. But I didn't know that it was going to lead me into a new career, which was pretty cool. So decide, find your why, make sure that, you know, you have that consistent action and then set up an environment of people that have the same values, reflect to you your greatness and won't let you quit. Amazing. I love that. The five steps to transformation. Yeah, there you go. That's it. (laughs) And then teach it like whatever you learned, if you want to like take it to the next level, whatever you learned from that experience, share it, teach it. Cause when you share it and give it to others, something magical just flows through you and you become like a channel, a vessel, if you will, for that transformation to inspire others. And it helps you be consistent as well. Yes. I love it. I love it, Holly. And now I have a question for you. Like, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? I'm sure there's a lot, but if you had to pick one thing, what's the most important? Yeah, this is a tough one because one might think that I might say, don't use drugs, but I wouldn't have the story. I wouldn't have the life experience. Right. I wouldn't be so committed to the path that I am on now. Hmm. So could I have learned that lesson without drugs? I don't know the answer to that. I truly don't know. I don't think it was really just about drugs. I really think it was about perfectionism yeah, and not accepting myself. And so I would probably tell my younger self two things. Number one, I would tell my younger self, all your dreams, goals, and desires are going to come true. It may not happen the way you think it's going to, (laughs) (laughs) but they are. So stay on your path and have confidence in yourself. And then that second thing I would tell myself is while you're going through hard times, while you're stressed out, while you're feeling down, while you're going through something that's really challenging, be kind to other people. Be kind. I could have handled things much better with my daughter's dad when we divorced. I was cold. I had to cut everything off. I was very cold. I was possibly very harsh. I was going through my own stuff. You know, hurt people hurt people, right? We know that saying. So I think I would just tell myself to to just be a little kinder and be a little more compassionate, give people their space, and to also maybe talk to my daughter at her level of what was going on. Because we didn't really have a, a good conversation with our daughter. And so in, from her perspective, and that's something that, you know, when you're going through your own problems, you rarely consider points of view, other people's points of view. You rarely consider that. How, how is this affecting them? How is this affecting them? How is this affecting my husband at the time? How is this affecting our three-year-old? If I could have had the wisdom to sit down and, and to tell her, you know, we're going to go through all these changes as a family. Yeah. And things are going to look very different. 
but mommy and daddy love you very much. And that love is always going to be there, even though our family is going to shift and change a little bit. Mm-hmm. And everything we're doing, we're doing for you. And we may not do it right. You know, we might make mistakes, but if we are making mistakes and you want to share something with us, you know, please, our, our doors open, always open. Or I could speak for myself, you know, please talk to me about anything. I think she was going through her own challenges, mm. you know, as I was quitting my job, leaving my marriage and detoxing. I, w- I don't think I was very present. Mm. Now, yes, now I am, you know, and we have very open dialogue about this now, she and I, and she's a very old soul, a very, she's so good at listening. She's very empathic. She feels other people's feelings and she's just a bright light, you know? And so now, yeah, we share everything, but I think I would say treat people with more kindness. Kindness. I love that, Holly. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're so incredible. And again, thank you for your story. Just an absolute rock star and just straight from the heart. And I could feel it all just incredible. And so, you know, I would love to know what are you up to in the next like six to 12 months? Like what's going on in, in Holly world? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for not saying Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, world. that's right. <laughs> so I'm doing a Facebook challenge, um, which I'm running through my Facebook group. If you are a woman entrepreneur and you want to start speaking to sell your products and services. If you want to speak virtually, maybe it's on a podcast like I'm doing here, or maybe you want to be on a big stage or TEDx, or maybe it's just something you've always been afraid of and you want to tackle you know, that challenge and learn how to share your story in a way that positions you as vulnerable and credible then you're going to want to come into my Facebook group, which is called Shine on Stage. And it would be my honor to support you and to serve you into having some confidence on camera, having confidence sharing your story. And how do you not fake it? Like, how do you come from the place of real authenticity and craft a message that is powerful in itself and creates transformation for others? So I'm really excited about the challenge. And I also have a body language checklist. So maybe you want to use body language as something like a tool that you could use to be a better communicator, you can download my 15 hypnotic body language tips that can make you a more um, charismatic speaker, a more persuasive speaker. So for that, you would just go to hollymignosi.com forward slash hot 15. And um, I think we'll have the link for them, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Holly. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then for anybody to connect with you in general, where can they all find you? Inside Shine on Stage. You can get me for real there (laughs) in person. That's the best place there. And then also I have my website, of course, but if you really want to connect with me in person, jump into Shine on Stage, send me a PM in messenger. I will, I'm a real person. I'll connect, I'll respond. And I would love to support you on your journey as well. So it would be an honor. Thank you, Pamela, for the opportunity to share all that. You are amazing, Holly. Thank you so much for being here, sharing your story, your tips, your advice. My God, like you have blessed all the listeners today. So thank you so, so much. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you too. Thank you for creating this amazing platform for people like myself to come in and share inspiration and to create more transformation in the world. You are a gift. So thank you. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. 
head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.